0: Ladies and, gentlemen, Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. gentlemen, you are now, listening, now listening, to listening, to listening to the Fantasy, Fantasy Baseball, Baseball Hour, Hour with Al Mercure.
1: Welcome, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This is the Fantasy... Sp- uh, <laughs> let me try that again. The Fantasy Baseball Hour. I was going to say Fantasy Sports Hour. I'm just going to talk about one sport here. No football. No, nothing else, just uh, just baseball. So thank you for tuning in to this particular show. Uh, and, you know, I usually start off by being all excited about the fact that there's lots of news updates and all kinds of interesting stuff going on. It's been a quiet day. It's been a really, really quiet day. And to top it off, uh, we've only got a six-game slate tonight. Uh, but fortunately, we do have some games in progress Uh, In fact, uh, there are three games going on right now, so uh, I will probably check in on those games very liberally. uh, But uh, no, even better, actually, than doing that. And I will do some of that. Uh, Joining me here, had him on the show for the first time about uh, maybe three weeks ago or so, and he has come back for a return engagement. Very excited to have Nick Pollock. Uh, He's the pitcher list guy. He's on Rotographs. Really excited to have Nick Pollock back on the show. Uh, And in honor of having Nick on the show, since he is the pitcher list uh, guy, uh, we're going to do two-star pitchers. Usually I get to those on Friday, uh, but we're going to go a day early, get you a day ahead of the curve on the two-star pitchers, at least the ones that are projected for next week. And also uh, he'll help me out with some of the standout performances from Wednesday, when frankly we had more games to talk about. And there were a lot of interesting uh, pitcher performances. And on the pitcher list website, uh, Nick Every day, I believe, goes through and does uh, a little bit of a review of all the starting pitchers from the uh, the previous days. So he goes a step beyond. He just doesn't do standouts like I do. He does every single one. So no better person to have uh, today to get uh, down uh, deep, deep into uh, into all the cracks and crevices uh, looking at pitching. No better person to do that uh, than Nick Pollock, so really excited to have him on the show just a little bit later on so uh we'll uh, be getting to that before you know it uh so to start off with the news updates though very nationals dominated like i said really slow day so like half of this stuff is is just about the nationals uh bryce harper was uh scratched from the nationals lineup uh on uh wednesday let me get my days of the week straight here. Uh, it, due to um, uh, let me let me get, get get that back. This is for Thursday. This is for today. On Wednesday, he got hit by a pitch on his leg. Still experiencing soreness, so uh, no Bryce Harper there. And let's do our first quick check in here. Uh, Nats are leading the Braves four to one, and uh, getting away from the Nationals here for just a moment. Uh, Big news here for the Braves in this game. Not good news, though. Anibal Sanchez only lasting two innings. He got hit by a comebacker in the leg uh, and was removed from the game. So uh, not a great development there. But uh, anyways, that is uh, four to one right now. Gio Gonzalez uh, pitching a nice one here. He uh, actually just got replaced by Justin Miller. It's top of the eighth inning. And Ronald Acuna just did a home run. So now it's 4-2. So hopefully uh, for Gio Gonzalez, Justin Miller can uh, work with the, now the two-run buffer <laughs> that he's got. Uh, but like I mentioned, Sanchez out after two scoreless innings. Wes Parsons being called into uh, emergency long relief there. Gave up four runs in five innings of work. And actually uh, still in the game for now. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, got 4-2 Nationals. So yeah, Anibal Sanchez, if I see anything else. Keep you posted on that. But uh, let's get back to some of those other Nationals news items. Steven Strasburg and Eric Fetty through bullpen sessions. They're going to throw at least one more apiece, according to MLB.com. Uh, so don't know what the timetable is exactly for either pitcher. But um, obviously, uh, you're throwing bullpen sessions and you're uh, getting closer to getting back to the active roster. On Wednesday's show, I talked about the injury to Kelvin Herrera, and he was placed on the disabled list. And so I speculated, and not going far out on a limb to do so, saying that Ryan Madsen was going to be the closer. Then Davey Martinez did actually make that announcement that Ryan Madsen is going to be the uh, the team's primary closer. Uh, However, he may not get all the save opportunities because uh, he's going to be monitored in terms of his workload. So Coda Glover, who just got called up, uh, may be a substitute closer. And in any event, according to Masson, Glover's going to be used in high leverage situations. And as I talked about on Wednesday's show, it's really sort of process of elimination. So we've got uh, Justin Miller in there right now, and he's been used in like the sixth, seventh innings uh, of late. So with Herrera out, I think that now gets ratcheted up. He's in the eighth inning of this game. I think probably we'll see Miller seventh and eighth inning, maybe with Cota Glover sort of interchangeable. I think those are probably going to be your big three uh, at the back along with uh, Ryan Madsen. But it gets pretty thin after that in the Nationals bullpen. So it's not too surprising that Coda Glover, who briefly was the closer for the Nationals in 2017, that he may get the occasional save chance and probably get a lot of hold situations uh, going forward until we see either the return of Sean Doolittle or uh, Kelvin Herrera. Now, as for Sean Doolittle, he threw on flat ground for the very first time without a walking boot. Uh, according to MLB.com so uh, I had just said on Wednesday's show that we hadn't heard anything new on Doolittle for a long time so now finally we do get an update and uh, you know it's it's early in the process there he's not quite to the throwing off a mound or throwing off the the throwing a bullpen session stage of recovery but uh, at least he is making uh, some step of progress there so uh, in the meantime, like I said, we'll see Ryan Madsen and, and given where Doolittle is in the recovery process, probably see Ryan Madsen uh, for a while there in the closers role. And I did mention in case you did miss Wednesday sure or you just need a reminder that Madsen has actually pitched really well over the last few weeks. So he had kind of a, a bumpy, uh, a bumpy phase in June and in, in the earlier part of July. But for the last few weeks, Madsen's been uh, the better version of himself. So, uh, yeah, for now, that wraps up all the Nationals-related news. Yu uh, Darvish threw a 33-pitch sim game without experiencing any elbow pain, and he is now scheduled, uh, barring any sort of setback, to throw another sim game this Sunday. If that goes well, then you could look at him beginning a rehab assignment probably late next week, and uh, that could put him on track. This is probably the best-case scenario, but could put him on track to return to the Cubs in early September, so now that we have that timeline for you, Darvish, and he's been a bit of a mystery too. Uh, um, not you know, not a lot of updates uh, for a while. Uh, now that uh, with that report from the Chicago Sun Times, you can you can make a decision about Darvish uh, with a little bit more information. Uh, so if you're in a head-to-head league where maybe your playoffs are starting in, in a few weeks, uh, and and you're just trying to get into the postseason then maybe Darvis is somebody you can you can consider dropping you know then again if you make it you would certainly want him around I would think you would want him as an option so you probably have I would think a better drop option but at least he's somebody I think you could consider at this point given that you're not going to be having him I think best case scenario for let's say the next three three and a half weeks so uh, good to have that information on you, Darvish. Uh, Will Myers is on track to return early next week. So that is certainly some very good news for him. That uh, came from a report in the San Diego Union Tribune. And the, actually, that was <laughs> just down at the very, very bottom of the story. Uh, that the main part of the story was actually about how the outfield situation, even with Myers on the shelf and with Franchi Cordero out for the season, that outfield log jam never really has cleared up for the Padres. And I featured uh, three of the outfielders on Wednesday's show, talking about Hunter Renfro, Manny Margot, and uh, Fran Mel Reyes, who all have been hitting really well, and all in particular hit very well in their games on Tuesday, which is how they made it onto a Wednesday show. Uh, but you know, there's the, the, one of the missing names there from that discussion was Travis Jankowski, who's, who's played pretty well. And uh, you, you get Myers coming back soon. And it's a it's a very crowded outfield situation there. And so they're kind of back to square one, especially if you look ahead to next year. You know, you've really got two sets of, of complete starting outfields there. Uh, in fact, even before I read this piece in the Union Tribune, I was thinking, you know, during this uh, non-waiver or, or I should say uh, post-waiver uh, uh, trade period, not non-waiver, but the 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 post-non-waiver trade period. Why don't the Padres maybe look into trading one of these outfielders? Uh, because, uh, you know, maybe they're better, maybe they're just better served by waiting until the offseason to do that. Uh, they are going to give a long look, uh, particularly at the three that I mentioned, uh, of uh, Renfro, Margot, and Reyes. So, you know, maybe that that's a smarter thing than what I was thinking the other day and, and them just making a trade right now, but uh, there's certainly a surplus there and they all seem deserving of, of more playing time than, than what they've, uh, what they've been getting again, because of the log jam there and there have been uh, a rotation at various points uh, throughout the season. So, you know, what's, what's going on right now for them, obviously not that pertinent to the Padres fortunes for this season, uh, it is somewhat fantasy relevant in that if, let's say, Hunter Renfro keeps hitting and he manages to stay in the lineup when Will Myers returns, uh, again, probably sometime next week. Then is, is Hunter Renfro somebody that can help you rest of season? Uh, same, You could say the same thing about any of the three of them, really, or Jankowski. Uh, so, so there is some fantasy impact for this year. But, uh, you know, I think also looking ahead to next year, maybe if you're thinking Keeper League, uh, you know, what are these guys' prospects for playing time next year? So really, this could be sort of an audition for 2019, and if they all continue to stay hot or if one uh, rises above the others, then, you know, that might speak to their, their keeper value for next year. So interesting piece uh, in the Union Tribune. Leonis Martin was placed on the 10-day disabled list with intestinal turmoil, uh, which is obviously uh, very uh, unfortunate for him and for his uh, new team, the Indians. Uh, They called up Greg Allen to take uh, Martin's place, uh, both on the roster and probably to pick up quite a bit of time in center field. Just as a a Twitter side note here, this uh, unfortunate news for Leonis Martin did bring about the return uh first time in a long time uh for general cramping that that's account an account you don't know uh there's an account on twitter called general cramping and uh the proprietor of that account whenever there would be a player who came down with general cramping you know, he would come in and chime in and, and the the avatar is you know of the civil war general so so uh, bad news for Leonis Martin, but good news for those of us who follow General Cramping. And, yes, I know Leonis Martin is not, as far as we know, experiencing General Cramping. But General Cramping had some commentary on on his intestinal turmoil. So, uh, anyway, that's by the way, intestinal turmoil. I believe that's a, a direct quote from uh, Terry Francona. So, anyways, I won't get any more into any more detail about what that might actually mean. could leave that to you to think about or not think about. Uh, From MLB.com, we have the update here on Mike Soraka. Not really, I think, a surprise or maybe even that much of an update, but Soraka, who's been out with shoulder inflammation, remains highly doubtful to return at any point in 2018. He has still not been cleared to uh, begin the throwing program. So uh, if you're holding on to Soraka, you probably don't need to. If you need that roster spot or that DL spot, more likely uh, for somebody. Obviously, the Keeper League, that's that's a different calculation. And Chris Cotillo, uh, formerly of uh, SB Nation, uh, in case you haven't kept up with Chris Cotillo, he's now with MassLive.com. And he had a very interesting piece on the Red Sox roster crunch that could occur when Chris Sale comes back. Uh, and he, he basically theorized that there's a good chance now, so this is not... Reporting in terms of anybody in the front office, as far as we know, saying this. But Chris Cotillo kind of did his own math and thinks that there's a good chance Drew Pomeranz will get designated for assignment. He's not been very good. Uh, Meanwhile, Brian Johnson made another really nice start on Wednesday. And I want want to talk to uh, Nick Pollock in the next section, uh, next segment of the show about Brian Johnson, uh, because I think he could stick. But, yeah, Drew Pomeranz could be wind up being the odd man out. And it's really a question of whether the Red Sox are going to maybe, you know, send down one of their relievers that has options uh, or keep them up and and maybe just uh, jettison Pomeranz, who just hasn't gotten it going this year. So that's going to be an interesting one to watch. And then finally, uh, Sam Tui Valala, just recently acquired by the Mariners, uh, has been diagnosed with a strained right Achilles. So that's uh, obviously not too fantasy relevant other than in holds leagues, or really deep leagues. But uh, it's, it's really a blow for the Mariners, who did a nice job of fortifying their bullpen just before the deadline. And uh, it would sound like uh, Tuvalala will be out for, uh, for quite a while. So uh, in any event, uh, let me get you updated on uh, the games in progress real quick. And uh, get ready for Nick Pollock to join us. So that's still four to two Nationals over the Braves. We're now in the bottom uh, of the eighth. Uh, We've got a tie ball game. Indians and Twins uh, knotted up in the bottom of the sixth. Four runs apiece for them. And also a tie game in Milwaukee. Uh, Brewers won. Padres won. And that one is in the top of the fourth inning. So uh, hopefully a little bit later on, I can dig into the uh, those performances uh, a bit more, particularly with that uh, Twins Indians game and and Padres Brewers game. Is that one? uh, Those two games get a little bit uh, deeper into the contest. But anyways, we got to go deep into a commercial break right now. But on the other side of it, Nick Pollock will be here. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, as promised, in just a moment, we're going to be joined here by Nick Pollock of PitcherList and Rotographs. Can't wait to talk some pitching with Nick because, you know, he's the PitcherList guy. It's what you do. Uh, what we do here on FNTSY Sports Radio Network, though, is we give away World Series tickets. And this time we're going to be giving away some to the winner of free DFS baseball contests. The contests are sponsored by DKMS, who are looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. For many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival. And while 30% of patients can find a matching donor in their families, the other 70%, that's nearly 14,000 people each year, they must rely on a benevolent stranger to step up and donate. So you can find out how you can help the cause and win 2018 World Series tickets playing free daily fantasy baseball by going to dailyroto.com slash DKMS. That's dailyroto.com slash DKMS. It is your ticket to the World Series and a blood cancer patient's ticket to life. So with no further delay here, uh, Nick Pollock, you know him from Pitcher List, you know him from Rotographs, and now you're going to know him from this show. So Nick, thank you so much for taking the time and joining me today. What is happening?
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's always an honor to be on here with you (laughs) all.
1: uh well uh yeah no it's always great to have you on nick and uh what is happening well i start off the show by saying you know very anticlimactically nothing much is happening i mean we've got three day games today (laughs) and unfortunately we have an anibal sanchez injury and i was all in on anibal so i'm really bummed about that but um kind of quiet day to be honest yeah it's i mean it's
2: nice to see gian gonzalez do well you know, it's not something we have gotten used to from him this season. So one and run so far in seven innings pitch and 94 pitches. That's,
1: that's nice, I guess. And Barrios not doing so well against the Indians. Six walks, he, that's pretty startling to me. That is. That's that's not, I mean, even when, you know, he's not going well, it's usually maybe he's given up two or three homers. But, yeah, six walks and four innings is, uh, yeah, that's going to be an interesting one to to, to dig into. Uh, so yeah, four four still in that one. Just did a score update right before the break, but that one's now in the top of the seventh. So yeah, that's definitely uh, on on a pretty small slate. Probably going to be one of the bigger stories. Um, but uh, I want to do both a, a look ahead, Nick, and then maybe a, a little bit of a look back. Um, by uh, as I said at the top of the show, actually get a little bit of a head start on two star pitchers typically. Uh, talk about those on Friday, but I uh, figured they've got you here for this show. Uh, let's talk about some of them now. And granted, there's there's going to be some changes between now and Monday, but at least this can get you thinking. And one situation that's not really clear is the Marlins because they've got a doubleheader with the Braves on Monday. So if they stay with the, the rotation that they've had, they stay with that schedule. I think it would be Pablo Lopez getting two starts next week, but they could just... Mm-hmm. Uh, switched around no reason why they couldn't and go with trevor richards uh who i'm just totally enthralled with right now (laughs) but i (laughs) actually like both pitchers but uh anyways you know so it's probably going to be one or the other not both so to to get us ready for any possible eventuality here uh what's your take on both richards and lopez at atlanta at washington next week sure
2: i i don't really love the start for either of them against either team honestly uh, Richards is intriguing to me as well. Obviously, I'm sure you mentioned his change of usage going up to about 40% after hovering around 20% with the pitch in the first, his first 10 starts. And this is really cool because that changeup is phenomenal. It's a 24% whiff rate. Normally, we see kind of the elite offerings around 17 and plus. And to see 24% from a changeup is great. 51% OSWIN. So, over half the time he throws that out of the zone, guys are chasing after it. That's no good uh, 162 <laughs> batting average allowed and to see him increase that usage rate to 40% after, you know, much, much less before is great. He's throwing his best pitch a ton. It's kind of McCullough's thing to use a fan craft phrase. Uh, I love that. Now the thing is his fastball is terrible. It's a 287 batting average allowed and here's a crazy stat. His O contact rate at, is 93%, which is higher than his, Z-contact, 92. (laughs) That is the contact rate of fastballs when guys swing at it out of the zone. They hit them more often than when it's in the zone. I don't think I've ever seen that before.
1: I've definitely never seen that, and I don't know that I've seen an O-contact rate on any pitch for any pitcher anywhere near that. That's crazy.
2: So it's a terrible pitch. Essentially what that means, I think, is he either really misses where guys don't even go after him. He has a low O-swing around 15%. But when he does, it's barely out of the zone, and guys can easily hit it then too. Uh, So I I like Richard. I, I, I generally like going after guys that have at least that one element. I call it a money pitch, really, that is just something that can carry them on a given day, and then hopefully other things will form around it, as opposed to the guys that don't really have anything spectacular, but it just kind of works in tandem. I generally like to go after the one that has that incredible single offering, hoping that everything else fits. So that makes me intrigued about Richards. It's just his third pitch is a slider curveball that doesn't really do anything. It's not very good. Uh, so hopefully he can develop something else there to, to probably complement it. Uh, I think uh, this is weird because Pablo Lopez, he has elements I like as well. He doesn't have the same strikeout upside. He has a sub 20% K rate. But he has, okay, he has a really good sinker that has a 40% O swing. And what that tells me is he's throwing it right off the corner very effectively. He only has a 43% zone rate, but that's fine when he's getting that many chases off the plate, and that's why he has a 54% ground ball rate. Uh, He does have a high home run per nine. That is 1.5. That makes him have a large gap between his whip and ERA, 4.32 ERA and a 1.13 whip. So there is room for improvement there if he does keep the ball in the yard, and he should with that high ground ball rate then a good whip should follow concerning he's getting these really, really weak swings at pitches, but it just doesn't have the same K rate, doesn't have really fantastic uh, secondary pitches. There is some promise with the changeup at a 47% O swing, but it's just about it's like a 13% whiff rate on it, so I, I'm not excited about the ceiling about Lopez, but if I really want to be conservative for ratios, if uh, if it were, let's say just if it were both Richards and Lopez, I would slightly prefer Lopez for a conservative aspect but i really wanted to get that high strikeout performance i'd hope it's Richards.
1: wow okay uh, that's that's a great breakdown and i just throw one more element uh in here for uh the matchup particularly for richards because you know you talked about uh, you know the the high o swing on on the changeup uh now i've noticed with the nationals i mean they've they've really particularly over the last couple of months become one of the more selective lineups in the majors. Mm-hmm. And it seems like whenever I'm looking at, uh, you know, a game log of somebody when it's against the nationals, it's like four swinging strikes, five swinging strikes. It's not like 10, 11, 12. So, uh, do you think that, you know, that's a particularly bad matchup then for Trevor Richards?
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how I stand about, let's say you have a pitcher with a really good O swing, uh, uh, weapon in his arsenal. And then, you have a team that's very patient. Is that going to be really realized in it, or is it saved for someone like Freddy Peralta, who's a big deception guy? So then he takes advantage of, of batters that are aggressive at the plate because they will, you know, they'll bite more often. Or and then the Washington Nationals would kind of wait more on that kind of pitch. I don't know. I I, I, I don't know. I'm curious. Now I'm like really excited. I hope that Richards does <laughs> that start against the Nationals just so we can see what happens with that
1: changeup. That's right. All right. Well, uh, yeah, we, we hope that domatically switches the order around just so we we have something to, to geek out about in uh, a week and a half. Right. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's move on to some other pitchers. Uh, another one that I like, uh, but obviously very different type of appeal than, than, say, Richards is Brad Keller, who just induces all kinds of weak ground ball contact. Uh, he's got a home start against the Blue Jays on the road at the White Sox. So I, I do like the matchups, but is it enough to get you excited about Brad Keller?
2: Well, he has a 6.12 ERA over his last six starts, and that includes facing the White Sox twice, and a start oh. with the Twins as well. I, I, I kind of don't like going after guys that don't have any sort of hint at strikeouts, 15.6% K rate. Not a single pitch has above an 11% whiff rate inside his arsenal. Uh, so that means that he's really relying heavily on that bat, but right now it's at 300 I don't really see a guy that is going to have consistent success here, regardless of the opponent. I mean, again, he faced you know, half of those teams in that terrible run were not strong offenses. Uh, not to mention, on top of that, he has a 10% walk rate. So it's not really helping things. It's 138 for nine, about 8.5. Sierra is at 472 for the season. Uh, I'm just not really buying that he's something that can be consistent for me.
1: Yeah, I, well, I think he just wound up there with the key word, which is consistency. And yeah, he's not trending well lately. Uh, I would have said maybe like two weeks ago, he's the sort of guy I really like in a two-start week, because the you, you double up those low strikeout counts, and that you know might bring him up to the level of a decent strikeout pitcher with one start. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I'm not sure that that he's uh, is trustworthy at this point. He's a Rule Five guy. Maybe the league's caught up with him a bit. Um, all right. Well, we got a situation here with the Angels where it looks like they will be able to uh, toss out two two start guys barring uh, perhaps, uh, you know, a, a rain out or something. But uh, Andrew Heaney and uh, Jaime Barria uh, at San Diego, at Texas. Um, I mean, do we just pencil them in, just, you know, say Padres <laughs> Padres look good and don't worry about Texas or uh, is there more risk than that?
2: Right. Um, well, with Keeney, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I've always thought of Keeney as a command guy who hasn't to all of a sudden start getting whiffs and swinging strikes. And he kind of went through this moment, this, uh, this valley during the season, and all of a sudden he stopped missing bats. And then he came back, and recently he's dipped again. And right now it's about his changeup. He just didn't have it against the Tigers last week, which isn't great. Um, oh, last time out, I should say not last week. I I think actually was that last night or was it two nights ago? Anyway, uh, I I expect to still against the Padres. That's still a good start. Um, it's nine and runs his last two outings. I think we still want to put him in there. He definitely has the upside, and even if he doesn't have a changeup, it's still good enough floor that he shouldn't blow up against the Rangers like Marco Gonzalez did yesterday.
1: Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead to, to talk about Gonzalez because he uh, you know again given where we are in the the cycle and the week, a lot of these guys that pitched. Uh, on Wednesday are going to be two-star pitchers. So, Gonzalez Mm -hmm. right now projects to face the A's in Oakland and the Dodgers at home. I've always felt pretty good about Gonzalez. Well, I say always, this season. (laughs) I felt good about Gonzalez at Safeco. Uh, Do you feel the same way, or does the uh, A's start worry you enough to to stay away?
2: Well, seeing just one whiff, and that's a debatable whiff, I think it was a foul tip. So, some places are saying that he had zero whiffs and 84 pitches against the Rangers yesterday. Uh, and we're just one. He also had 11 runs in the last two games, and his cutter isn't as successful as it used to be. He had a really nice run where his cutter was nice in the bottom of the zone, playing with the strike zone, saying is this going to be a strike, or is it going to fall right out of it? And batters had a lot of trouble. Both sides of the plate uh, couldn't really handle that pitch, but it was floating up in the zone a ton yesterday. that was a little bit concerning for me. The A's have been really hot lately, and the Dodgers on any night, I mean. They're kind of one of those offenses that I think they're good and then they're not good and then I don't think they're good yes. and then they're good. Uh, so I don't know exactly how to feel there. Um, I, I, I completely forgot about Berea before. I would prefer Berea over Marco Gonzalez uh, with Berea going against the Dodgers in Texas than, than at this point with Marco Gonzalez without his cutter going against the A's and the
1: Dodgers. Okay. And what about Berea versus Heaney? Oh, that's so close.
2: Uh, I would say Heaney. I, I just trust the skill set more overall, even though he's not at a great point right now. And Bria did look good. I, I, I still just think Bria's fastball is just so bad. It's a 287 batting average allowed. And I think Heaney just is an overall better pitcher uh, where some things haven't gone his way this year. I think I trust him a little bit more.
1: All right. All right. I guess that's a, a little surprising, but uh, in terms of putting Bria Ahead of Gonzalez, that surprises me. But then, you know, given, uh, you know, what you've observed over the last couple of starts, I think that it sounds like uh, sound advice. And, you know, I had a little bit of a dilemma, too, in analyzing what happened uh, on Wednesday with Gonzalez because it looked like a bad matchup just going in uh, against a team that generally hits lefties at home really well. But then I saw a report from Shannon Dreyer that he had been doing some extra stretching out on the field. And she was speculating that maybe he's just not feeling that great, and I think that 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 kind of jives with what you were just saying.
2: Well, I, it definitely showed uh, no command of that cutter whatsoever. Uh, it was just not it's not his game plan. Uh, so to see someone kind of play like that, um, and even I mean, it often feels like every time that happens, everything will go wrong. Even the second home run that a uh, Gallo hit was actually a really good pitch inside. He jammed, and it was, I believe, a 1% hit probability as it uh, landed just inside the foul pole uh, for a home run in right field. So I feel kind of bad for Marco Gonzalez in that respect, but he really didn't deserve a great outing.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, and, and he didn't didn't get one. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, all right, well, we got a few more to, to, to get to here, uh, but uh, before we do, I just want to remind people that uh, you can get your season ticket to Fancy Glory right now. You don't have to wait. Get that ticket right now with the 2018 Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. It's not just a draft kit. It's a full season package that takes you all the way from draft day to your championship week. It features in-depth analysis from some of your FNTSY Sports Radio experts as well. So go to RotoExperts.com. Use the code WINNER to get 10% off on the exclusive edge package and then set aside that spot on your mantle for your 2018 championship trophy. All right. So uh, got a a couple minutes in the segment here and uh, I I don't want to speak for your your schedule and and your, your time here, Nick, but I really wanted to go over some of the Wednesday performances with you. So would you be able to hang on here for uh, at least part of another segment? That is awesome. Okay, well, uh, let's go to Ryan Barucki. He's got uh, the Royals uh, in KC, uh, so that venue's nice. And then he's got the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. Not such a great venue and not such a great matchup. Right. But I've just been really skeptical about Barucki, uh, but he continues to you know, go out there and uh uh you know kind of pulling the alicia scene uh, up until recently anyway <laughs> can't really say that about just anymore but he, he i think he's defying the odds do you see something there with brookie that makes him trustworthy well it's kind of the theme
2: today is is that brookie has this great change-up 19 with rate 40 percent zone rate and that's that's kind of everything for him he has this fastball that he's able to pound the zone with and so far it's gone okay he has a uh, 0.048 ISO and that kind of has kept everything in check with that 230 ERA, but it's a 126 whip, and whenever again I see that kind of major gap between the whip and ERA I think things are going his way. He doesn't have a good slider, I mean when I say it isn't good it is terrible, uh, so he's really on the back of that change up and I'm okay with this against the Royals, I think this is fine, it can work, I do worry about the Yankees because he's had that success with that fastball not getting uh, beat for extra bases a lot, and the Yankees can certainly do that. So I would be very hesitant for the entire week because I think he should be fine against the Royals, but I would imagine that start against the Yankees kind of outweighs the uh, production you might get from that Kansas City start.
1: All right, all right. Well, um, I'm going to throw one more, and we, we literally have just a few seconds, so this is just could be a thumbs up or thumbs down. Sure. Jay uh at home, Rays and Blue Jays. Love it.
2: I love J hap
1: Wow. Okay, we may have to do a whole <laughs> other segment because I'm very conflicted about J hap But so sure. uh, I, I, that you love it. That's great. coming back of course with the hand foot and mouth disease. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, you know hopefully he will be be in top form for those uh, two starts. Anyhow, uh, Nick, we gotta head to break here for a couple of minutes. but uh, we'll come back. Nick's gonna help me out with looking at some of the pitching standouts from Wednesday. So don't go anywhere. Both of us will be right back. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fancy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melker. I'm being joined for yet another segment by Nick uh, Nick Pollock from uh, Pitcher List and from Rotographs. And uh, you know, there is nobody like Fancy Factor. They are the only exclusive single-entry DFS site. They have free rolls registering all the time. They've got great promotions for free prizes. So keep a lookout for Fantasy Factor's free $1 million survivor contest. It's going to open about a week before NFL kickoff. Go to FantasyFactor.com. That's FantasyFactor.com. Nick, thanks so much for sticking around. Uh, We talked about Ryan Barucki just right before the break. He is scheduled to start tonight against the Red Sox and Rick Porcello. Uh, We do not have a Blue Jays lineup yet, but we do have a Red Sox lineup. And Steve Pierce, not surprisingly, against the lefty Barucki. He is back in there, batting third and playing first base. So no Mitch Moreland tonight in the starting lineup for the Red Sox. Uh, We've got a uh, Rangers lineup, but nothing unusual there. Uh, it's going to be uh, Hap coming back from uh, hand, foot, and mouth disease against Ariel Girado uh, or Horado. I'm actually not sure. Uh, <laughs> if you want to make I... a final ruling, Nick, uh, you know. Uh... <laughs> oh, I'm the worst when
2: it comes to pronunciation.
1: <laughs> and uh, the only other lineup we've got is the Rays. Uh, I told you this is a light night. Uh, so we've got none of the three games that are uh, not in the Easter time zone. Uh, but Orioles, Rays, Hess, and Hunter Wood as the opener for the Rays. No Orioles lineup, but uh, the Rays lineup, there is no Joey Wendell, uh, Brandon Lau. uh, Got that pronunciation right, batting eighth and playing second (laughs) base. (laughs) So uh, I'll pat myself on the head for for getting that one right. And weather, don't worry about it. uh, No uh, precipitation issues to worry about for tonight. So we can get uh, right into uh, some of the pitching performances. And uh, right before you came on, uh, Nick, I was saying that, you know, Every day on the show, I do standout performances, mostly good ones, occasionally the really bad ones, whatever seems like an impact uh, performance to talk about. Uh, But I pointed out the fact that on List, correct me if I'm wrong, every single day, you review every single start. Is that right?
2: Yes, it is uh, called the SP Roundup. I've done this since 2014. I am a psycho man, and this is what I do. So every single start from the night before with Stupid jokes
1: if you can endure them. Yeah, there's there's some great ones. Feel free to drop any of those uh, in uh, as we uh, talk about some of, not all of, but some of the the performances from Wednesday. The pitching performance. We'll get to a few hitting performances too before the end of the hour here. But uh, Mike Fires first start with the A's. Pretty good one. Five and a third. One run on four hits. No walks. Eight K's uh, against the Dodgers. Um, so are are you starting starting the fires?
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, this is actually what I call the Vargas rule, um, where a guy that you don't really expect to have long, sustainable success is on a run, and you can't stop starting him. He has a 251 ERA and a 114 whip in his last 13 starts since May 30th. He gets the Mariners, who are struggling a ton, and then the Twins, who are kind of black. That's that's great. That's, those are his next outings. I actually was a little disappointed that he went to the A's uh, just because he had an unbelievably comfortable schedule for the next month and change in Detroit, but it's pretty good for his next four, and then after that, the Yankees, then I might stop him there, but I'm going to keep rolling with fires. He's doing a really good job elevating four seamers while also throwing his fires for strikes. It's working for him. I don't see reason to uh, to pull him out of your lineup.
1: All right. All right. Well, uh, how about Luis Severino? I mean, it seems weird to even talk about him as a sit-start dilemma, uh, but uh, you know, certainly a good line in uh, in that start against the White Sox, but also that's one of the most favorable matchups in the majors. So, what's your conclusion after that start for Severino?
2: Well, I didn't like that he only threw seven changeups and had two whiffs on it. Uh, his changeup has kind of been the uh, the strong third option that that turned him into a legit stud. Uh, he's always had that really good slider and fastball, but having that extra changeup in his back pocket is huge. However, yesterday it was 35 CSWS Call strikes but Swifts, which is a really good mark. Uh, and while he did have that first inning that made it stress out when he allowed your runs in the first, he got into cruise control after that the next six frames. I kind of I feel good about this. It is the White Sox so you blame it on them. Uh, that's that's not really that great. You know, everyone should have this kind of start against them. At the same time, I think he kind of got locked in and, and just went uh, just went on cruise control and that was nice to see. So I, I think it's not the overwhelming, you know, he's a stud again outing. But at the same time, this is encouraging. It is a step forward from what we've seen lately.
1: All right. Well, that definitely, uh, and it's a pretty low bar to say that, but, you know, we'll take the <laughs> progress. Uh, the going against him was Lucas Giolito with a, a very odd start in that he gave up six runs in the second inning and then stayed in the game. And more or less, he went on cruise control uh, for a few innings after that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually... Right now, this show. I'm just doing this show basically to take a break because I'm actually writing about Lucas Giolito, and I'm I'm liking what I'm finding with him, which might sound like an odd thing given his overall stats and his most recent performance. But was there anything you saw that you liked about Lucas Giolito uh, on Wednesday?
2: You have to be talking about the 93 and a half mile per hour fastball. So good, it's finally here. Uh, he's been you know, he was throwing around 91, 92 to start the year, and slowly and steadily, he's increasing his fastball velocity, which is great. I, the main thing I've seen with Julito is he hasn't really found his groove of what he's supposed to do with his repertoire. When he first came up, we thought he was going to be a fastball changeup guy with his huge curveball, massive pitch. It's just really bad. He doesn't have any sort of consistency with it. However, however, he's found a slider to kind of pitch backwards from. And last night he had 9 out of 16 strikes not in play. That is good. I mean, he's pounding his own with sliders. And then setting up changeups and fastballs. I understand it was those quick six earned runs with a grand slam from Stanton. Fine, but seven whiffs on 24 changeups. That's really good. He has that, you know, with ability in his in his changeup, maybe even a little bit of a slider too. So I think those two pitches combined with a 93.5 mile per hour fastball that can work for Giolito. And while I'm not necessarily saying go and get him. It is encouraging to see him continually to t- take steps forward. Kind of like Severino here, where maybe 2019 comes around and we kind of like Giolito as a 12-teamer, you know, back end of the rotation guy.
1: I, you know, I I'm pretty much landing in the same spot in terms of you know an assessment and value, looking at value for Giolito. Um, uh, I mean, I'll save it for the column, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's, 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 there's a lot of encouraging signs that he is throwing that change up a lot more uh, over the last month. So uh, a lot of encouraging stuff there. And yeah, I mean, to the point where I think looking ahead to next year, he, he becomes 12 team uh, relevant. Uh, now, Brian Johnson, I kind of got the sense, maybe I misread it or misread the tone got the sense you're not that big on him from what you wrote uh, on pitcher list. Uh, but uh, you know, certainly you, uh, Giving up five runs was, you know, not not ideal. But he has been racking up the strikeouts lately. He got six and seven innings against the Blue Jays, and since coming back to the rotation, he's got a three point point five zero ERA with the twenty three point two percent strikeout rate. Um, is is there anything that you like about Brian Johnson, or if not, why not?
2: Well, the one thing I do like is that I can make ACDC jokes every time he pitches. Uh, that's that's my favorite part. But I. Uh, well, uh, what I do like is he has a good curveball. It's fine. It's you know, it's the 210 batting average allowed on it. 11% whiff rate. It's, it's kind of the pitch he always turn through, turns to turns to whenever there's a problem. Thing is, I don't really like anything else. His slider's just pretty mediocre. Fastball, it's a 294 batting average allowed with a 262 ISO as well. So a lot of the damage happens on that pitch. And I think that strikeout rate is inflated from a really weird game against the Yankees where. I don't think we'll ever see his curveball act like that again. Uh, that it's more—it's more like we're going to see about five strikeouts again, six maybe, or maybe some four in there too. I don't really see much upside for the long term with Johnson. And I, I think if we're looking at like a four ERA guy, really, uh, four ERA with a one three and change width with about a twenty percent K rate, maybe nineteen percent, something like that. I think that's the long term outlook for Johnson. So I don't really want to trust that. In a 12-team, I want to chase for a higher
1: ceiling. All right. Well, I could see then uh, why you're not that big on him, except for the ACDC puns, which is also one of my favorite things about Brian Johnson. (laughs) Uh, Now, Blaine Hardy, not a good start at all against the Angels. uh, Three home runs in uh, five runs total in five innings. Uh, I, I guess I could kind of think of him as, uh, Brad Keller's fly ball leaning cousin, uh, because he does get a lot of strikeouts, but he does get a lot of soft contact, although for him, it's more pop-ups, the grounders. Uh, so, but mm-hmm. you know, for that, I, I again, I kind of like him as that, you know, two start guy or a deep league guy. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the consistency hasn't been there for him. Uh, but I mean, do you see, uh, much there for him and at least in certain situations?
2: Well, I often have phrases I'd say for guys, like for Shafin. I think we've talked about before. I say that Shafin will do well when you least expect it. For, for Blaine Hardy, it's no Blaine, no pain. Uh, just because I, I think that this is something that you're going to have a lot more bad than good overall. Uh, he has a 4.23 fifth as a starter with that 16.5% K rate. And, yeah, he does have a great changeup, but, man, that slider is… It's just a 50% zone rate for strikes, and I really don't think it's going to continue uh, having that high P balance because it's like a 240 batting average allowed. It's, it's really susceptible to being, being taken advantage of, and not to mention the fastball is just really bad. It's just not a good pitch, and I don't think that changeup is good enough to mask it over the long term. Uh, I, I think it's very similar to what I, what I was talking about with Johnson, just a worse strikeout rate. So I, I don't I mean, maybe it's possible he does figure something out with his heater or a slider takes another step to complement that change up. But I, I'm not really seeing too much that would get me excited here.
1: All right. All right. Well, we got uh, three others that I just wanted to, to, to at least touch upon here. Uh, I think we'll go a little bit more lightning round with these guys because I want to talk at least about one or two hitters on the show uh i've I've tried at times to go a whole show without talking about hitters and and just have never quite achieved it uh (laughs) (laughs) but uh it's not the fantasy pitching hour so uh try to get some hitters in here but uh chris archer you know you could say on the one hand it's a core start he didn't get blasted but by the same token only five innings uh, only three k's um two starts now as a pirate are you encouraged or discouraged
2: uh, well I think this is something that will take some time. Generally when a guy changes teams, in the very first start it, there shouldn't be really much of a change. They kind of say, kind of like, all right, just go out there and we'll figure something out in the bullpen while we're really to tinker a bit. Uh, I was, it was nice to see fewer walks this time, but I think Archer really won't become himself until he's really dominating at the top of the zone with his fastball, fighters are going underneath the zone, and he works in that change effectively. He has one start where he threw about 25% changeups and it was great and wonderful. And now it's in sub 10%. And I wanna see just 15%, maybe 15, 20 That's all it needs to be. But once he gets the feel for his ass, then I think we can really get excited. In the meantime, it, we're really just hoping that the slider works properly and he's putting it in the right place and then setting that up with his fastball. And we're not gonna get that too often. I mean, he's still startable in 12 teamers, uh, and I'm not judging him harshly for his Knight and Coors but he's yep. not someone that I really think can hit at top 20, top 25 upside again until we see those improvements.
1: All right. Well, just one more real quick here. Heath, Phil Meyer, uh, based on your write-up um, pitcher list, uh, I think you've had your fill of them, uh, but uh, seven scoreless <laughs> innings against the Cubs. He's got a 313 ERA, also does have a 250 BABIP. Um, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just saying no. Is there anything I'm missing here?
2: No, I, I I've watched a good amount of him because there's some intrigue sometimes when he's good with that slider and it all kind of goes together. I uh, yeah I I watched a good amount of this. It really surprised me they lost the game with zero in runs here. It just didn't seem, it just didn't seem like a guy that really put everything together. I uh, I don't I don't buy this at all moving forward.
1: All right, me neither. So with that agreement, uh, we can move on here. We're gonna uh, just take a look at a handful of hitters. Uh, before we uh, uh, wrap this one up here. But uh, if you enjoy playing daily fantasy sports, but you're sick of dealing with professionals using algorithms to select hundreds of lineups and entries, you should try the Props Builder tool at mybookie.ag. Forget about having to create multiple lineups, ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches, and avoid the experts winning 90% of the money. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps, and if you sign up for a new account using the promo code FNTSY, you can elect an option to receive a 50% deposit bonus with a rollover requirement. So no more dealing with late late lineup scratches and no more experts to compete against. It's just you and the prop that you choose. So go to mybookie.ag, enter the promo code FNTSY upon sign up, and choose your matchups using the Props Builder tool. That's mybookie.ag, promo code FNTSY. A couple of two homer games on Wednesday – uh, Joey Gallo, not you know, shocking to see him on that list. Uh, he's now up to thirty one homers. <laughs> Both of them were off of Marco Gonzalez, so maybe uh, you know, he gets a a little bit of a discount <laughs> on them for that. But his splits against lefties, he has a three seventy ISO, which I have to say, even if, even though it's Joey Gallo, that surprised me. He also has a forty one percent strikeout rate and he's not walking that much. So against lefties he's basically two true outcomes. Uh so I think he's still, against lefties, you have to kind of weigh your options. Uh, And Mike Zanino, uh, with homers number 15 and 16 uh, against the Rangers, he's got three homers in his last two games, and actually hitting for average in his last 11 games, batting .351. I don't think the .450 BABIP over that period is too sustainable, though, just going out on a limb with that one. So uh, I'm going to toss out just a a few more names here, Nick. Uh, I guess we just sort of free associate. Uh, Rafael Devers homered and doubled against the Blue Jays. He's got 16 homers now, 22 doubles. Miguel Sano with his eighth homer and 13th double against the Indians. It was his first home run since May 31st. Randall Gritchick, two for three with his 15th home run against the Red Sox. He's been hot. And um, finally, Tim Beckham hit his sixth homer of the year, and he's been on a hot streak as well. So Devers, Sano, Gritchick, Beckham, anyone in that group, Interesting you or anybody there who's just uh, clearly someone to stay away from?
2: Well, I think Grichik is someone who often goes through these moments and then completely falls off for a lot longer after hot. Uh, I'm not necessarily against chasing any of this stuff, especially in 12-teamers and leagues when guys are just you know, forget about them. I think oftentimes in the, in the middle of the summer, you can take advantage of a good two weeks or so from a guy pretty easily because a lot of people just kind of forget about it. Uh, and so I'm not necessarily against any of this. I uh, but I would say if there's one that's definitely not going to sustain it, I would say that'd be Gritchick.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good call. That's a good reminder too, because you think, well, this is not really, you know, who he is. Uh, you know, guy batting over 300 over a three-week period, but yeah, sometimes he is, and then he he does uh, crash down to earth. And I don't think he's a, you know, a high BABIP guy, uh, you know, by design. Uh, and, and certainly, it's going to take a lot more, even than this extended period, for me to think to really buy into that. So anyways nick i appreciate you staying on an extra segment here uh really enjoyed (laughs) it and uh, as always learned a lot so uh thanks again and uh you know look forward to reading more from you my pleasure
2: thank you so much for having me this was great all
1: right well glad you enjoyed it as well and hopefully we can uh, have you back on again sometime soon so uh with that said uh we got to wrap it up here but uh we'll be back tomorrow same time of course as always And uh, take a look ahead to next week. Maybe get just a little bit more on the two-star pitchers and look at uh, matchups and take some of your uh, Twitter questions as well. So looking forward to that show. Have a great one, everybody. Take care.